This is Bloomberg Business Week. I'm Carol Masser. And I'm Jason Kelly. We're here every day bringing you the latest news from the world of business and finance. Plus technology, politics, economics, all harnessing the power of Bloomberg Business Week reporters and editors. Not to mention our 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. You can download Bloomberg Business Week on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Bloomberg.com. You can also listen to our radio show weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, only on Bloomberg Radio. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing at Verishop. Because do you think about Amazon constantly when you're thinking about strategy for you guys? Uh, I fundamentally believe that one company cannot solve all problems. And I think if you look at e-commerce right now, is 10% of overall retail sales. And, um, and there's a funny story. In 2004, uh, I was a research analyst, and I went to see Netflix. And Reed Hastings told us that when he reached 7.5% penetration in the Bay Area, first blockbuster was shut down. And he told us that when I get to 75 to 10% penetration nationally, the blockbuster will go out of business. And that exactly happened. And then in advertising business, when Google and Facebook got 10% of digital ad dollar, we saw an accelerated dip, uh, disruption. And now digital advertising is 40% of all advertising. And if you look at online retail, is now 10% of overall retail sales. So I believe that in next 10 to 15 years, online retail will be 30% of it. So we're going to see accelerated depreciation because this 75 to 10% is the magic number when things start really falling apart. And so how do you capture that slice of it? You've been doing this, you've been live for just a few months now. What are you learning about the marketplace that maybe you didn't know going into it? Yeah, I think... The, in marketplace, what's really missing is a lifestyle e-commerce destination, right? So if you need your commodity disposable utility product, Amazon is phenomenal. And if you need your luxury product, you know, like you want to buy Lucci, Gucci bag or Louis Vuitton bag that you buy once a year, or you are a 0.1% of world's population that that's all you buy, you know, you have a great relationship with those very expensive brands. But for your everyday luxury, the, the, like, let me ask you this. How many of you, the clothes that you're wearing, you bought from Amazon? Maybe one, I know, it's two. So, so really, think about it, for your everyday luxury product, you know, for everyday lifestyle product, there is no real destination to go. You, know, you go to either brick and mortar stores or you go to this boutique place. Uh, and that's also happening at a time that we're seeing explosion of direct-to-consumer brands, right? Everybody is building direct-to-consumer brands. So there is no place for consumers to go find, discover new brands find the brands they love and discover new brands. So we are creating a brand discovery platform where you can find all the cool brands for your everyday luxury flat and with the convenience of Amazon. We now have the fastest free, fastest free online shipping in the marketplace, free one-day shipping. Uh, we put our customer support number on the top so that if you are, want to call, you can talk to our customers. You know, and I read every customer support emails. And so we really stand for convenience, we stand for quality, and we stand for discovery. So cool brands, is it all high end? It's, I would call them everyday luxury, price points somewhere starting from 75 to $750. What's to prevent somebody from going to your site saying, okay, I like this XYZ cool brand, and then going to the home site for yeah. that brand in the future? And some people will do that, you know. Uh, the interesting thing is that consumers don't like putting their credit card number in 500 different websites, right? Uh, so if you have a relationship with one retailer who knows you and your product shows up, that's a great place to do. The second thing is the convenience, right? 
So because we aggregate product, uh, we can uh, do the delivery, like free one-day shipping, free return, 24-7 customer support, all those things that you can't get anywhere. And then the third, we're bringing a lot of exclusive brand partnerships and things like that. Uh, so the really thing is that what we want to be, like I fundamentally believe for every YouTube where you can go find everything, even like horrible thing, like people committing suicide, you need the world of Netflix. Right. Right? Yeah. And Amazon, where you can go find everything, you know, they build the world's largest flea market, you need a premium lifestyle e-commerce destination where you can dis uh, discover cool brands. And that's, we want to build the discovery platform and the browsing experience. One of the ways that you are sort of grabbing share, it seems, is through influencers. Uh, that is well known to a lot of the influencers in this room. What have you learned about them? Because it's not so easy to identify the right people, to figure out the right, essentially, business model around that. And How have you not, cracked that code? And it's not inexpensive sometimes. Yeah, we're not doing that much with you know uh, influencers. To be completely honest with you, I have a philosophy is, do completely opposite what the ro the world is doing. Yeah. You know, if you look at in New York City, you will see our outdoor campaign in the taxi top, or if you take the subway, you know, uh, you will see a, a very sharp brand train. You know, I think. So fundamentally, I believe that consumers are smart, and if and they understand the authenticity, you know, and 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 the thing is that if influencers are too commercial and they're promoting too much of the product, I think it doesn't convert very well. Mm -hmm. So you really, really have to understand that when you in engage with the influencer, is an authentic relationship. Because I, I think you really, really have to appreciate that if you push your product in an inauthentic way, it's actually a huge turnoff for consumers. Right. Because consumers know that you're trying to dupe them, right? You know, the buff, when we started the company, we call it Verishop. And what is Verishop? Verified shop because we wanted to build trust. You know, the world is going from fake news to fake people to fake product. Mm. And we wanted to build this trusted platform. And, and so you want to do marketing that you want to engage in a marketing in a trusted way. And is it right, one million shoppers? Or not yet, by the, by the end of the year? We have a free one-day shipping right now. But no, in terms of the number of shoppers that are on your site right now? Oh yeah, I think by year end, uh, we'll have uh, a million unique shoppers on a monthly basis. And all right, so... We need to switch gears. Yeah, we got to switch gears. We got to move fast. Um, when you talk about turnoffs, one of the biggest turnoffs it feels like for the market this year and for a lot of people was WeWork. You've got some thoughts on this. Uh, you've been watching this market as a banker, as an executive, as an entrepreneur. What happened? What went wrong as you distill it down with WeWork? Uh, the one word is corporate greed, right? Uh, I think the key thing is whenever we give someone money, you give them your trust. It is a fundamental thing that people don't appreciate that, that when an investor or, forget about investor, your friend or your parents or your uncle or an, an investors give you money, they give you the trust. And, and when you take that money, you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility to live by the trust they give it to you. And, and I think oftentimes we saw that the corporate executives don't appreciate the trust that investors give it to them. Mm -hmm. And, at, and uh, at WeWork, we saw the gross, gross negligence of that trust. And You're talking about Adam Newman. Yeah, yeah, executive level, yes. And the corporate greed is to a level that fundamentally I didn't see the, since the world of 1999, 2000.
What about the role of SoftBank in this, right? The big investor, obviously, in WeWork. And what about the role of investment bankers, certainly, when they tried to take it public? And obviously, all of a sudden, all these issues came out. Yeah, you know, I or think... responsibility of investment bankers. So, two different questions. Uh, you know, I think, look, I think SoftBank, as an investor, you have to make two decisions, right? One, you have to analyze the investment as a standalone investment opportunity. And we can argue whether WeWork was a good investment or a bad investment from an investment lens perspective. But what SoftBank and as an investor, you always have to trust the management team you give them the money. Yeah. And if they don't follow through it, you know, I think it's very difficult for an investor. So I actually sympathize with SoftBank. I know everybody blames SoftBank, but I actually sympathize with SoftBank because they gave money to someone who completely turned and trying to didn't respect their trust. And uh, with regards to investment bank, look, I think you know clearly investment bank could have higher standard of due diligence. But you know the good news is they did the due diligence and they disclosed all this information. But That's so how late, we found it feels out. Like. Do you feel like it was too late in the process? I mean, this was a company that was around for a while. I think investment banks, they couldn't have disclosed it before the filing anyway because the company would not let them disclose it. Right. So, so when you think about it through your, your banker lens, your research analyst lens, one of the moments where we seem to be is this exploration of private markets versus public markets when it comes to valuations, when it comes to when money gets put in, who makes the money uh, in a lot of ways. You saw this in, in some ways uh, at your job at SNAP, you know, sort of that, that ride. What do you make of where we are at this moment and what's it going to take to maybe fix this chasm, as it were, between pub private valuations and public valuations? Or is it working the way it's supposed to? I think, you know, I think the private market, you know, the valuation is arguably, you can argue that in many cases are inflated, not always, many cases, but, you know, I think I can see why investors like it, right? Because you don't have to worry about day-to-day -day volatility, you know? No, the challenge with the public market, you know, is the market is so volatile and investors are so short-term oriented and the people who are giving allocation to those investors are so short-term oriented that it every little piece of news, you know, moves the stock every day and, and, and that creates challenges. So I think if you want to build a business for a long term and want to make a long term decisions, to be honest with you, it's very difficult to do that in public market these days. Uh, so I think I understand the excitement around private market, uh, you know, but saying that, you know, a lot of great companies were built in a public market and mm -hmm. Amazon went public very early, Netflix went public very early. You know, but I think it's getting more and more challenging. And the thing is that also a lot of the funds are getting really, really big that, that they're not really interested in a small and mid-cap names right. anymore. So that creates a lot of challenges as well. Imran, when you look at 2020, I know one of the themes that we've identified certainly for the year ahead is going to be what happens with big technology and the tech lash that we've seen. What are your expectations? And should some of these companies, whether it's Amazon, whether it's Google, whether it's Facebook, should they be broken up in your view? I don't, I think, my personal view, it's un-American to break up a company because, just because they're big, right? That is yeah. completely opposite of capitalism. And I, I think that just saying that a company is big and we need to break it up, in my view, a person who's an immigrant to this country, it's un-American. Uh, saying that if these companies are engaged in an 
situation where they violated clear law, which I'm not aware of, mm. if they violated the law, then obviously, you know, I think regulators should look into it and take action against it, whatever the right course of action it is. Well, and so let's talk about specifically like the digital ad market in many ways. This is something that you watch from a number, again, of different angles, including in your role as Chief Strategy Officer at Snap. What did you learn about that market specifically that maybe applies to the broader uh, tech world? And what did you learn at Snap that, that you're applying? You know, I think, look, at Snap, when I started building the ad business in January 2015, we had zero revenue. And by the time I left, we did almost $1.6 billion annualized revenue. And so I think, and we did that in four years. So I think, you know, if you can build an audience and if you can recruit great team, I think you can build a business very fast. I still believe that there is an opportunity to build big businesses. You know, look, when, I'm not trying to defend anybody, but when Amazon came along, Walmart was really big. Right. right? right. You know, and, and, and before, when Facebook came along, Google was really big. Before Google, Microsoft was really big, and they're still big. Yeah. So I, I think that the disruption is happening at a, such a rapid pace. This 10% of the e-commerce market going to become 40%, or the cloud the computing penetration will go so significantly. There's still room for build businesses. You know? so, so I don't think you know, targeting anybody because they became successful I just fundamentally don't believe that. I think that's a very cynical view of the world, you know, and we need to be more, you know, uh, you know, have a more positivity about that. But again, if somebody broke any law, which I'm not aware of, obviously we should look into it and take action against it. If you were wearing your investment banker hat right now and there was a technology that you'd want to invest in, or that when you look at the landscape, whether it's AI, whether it's robotics, what have you, or maybe something that we're not really talking about enough, where would you put your money? I would invest in my business. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very shop first, yeah. and then second. No, look, I actually think, you know. <laughs> well done. <laughs> uh, uh, I actually, you know, think that there's a lot of talk about AI. There's a lot of really, really smart people are working on AI. You know, there's a lot of talk about self-driving. And these people are actually smarter than me, and I cannot really go figure those things out. But I look at e-commerce, you know, retail, you know, it seems like, most underrated opportunity yeah. because if you really believe that seven and a half and ten seven and a half to ten percent is the is the, is the number where you see accelerated d d uh, disruption you know why wouldn't you go to online commerce and so what's the biggest threat then for your business and for the broader sort of e-commerce for that growth rate what do you worry the most about maybe not from a competitive standpoint but from a more existential standpoint I think the market will go to 30 to 40%. Whether we will be successful or not, that will depend on can we execute, right? And so I think with our strategies, right, are we executing right? You know, so, so that's only, you know, so I, I would say it's, it's, it depends on the team. But overall, the market, where the market is going, I feel very, very confident that that's where the world is. Look, I went to the Nordstrom yesterday, you know, this big 57th oh, yeah. Street yeah. Nordstrom. You, you know, just talked with Eric. You know, and after that, you know, my personal two cent, I was like, eh. Really? <laughs> I know media love it, but, I'll you know. I'll connect you with Eric Nordstrom, and you guys can have a good conver uh, conversation. What competitor do you most admire and why? What competitors? Look, look I, I wouldn't say necessarily competitors, but look, I think, you know, like what Microsoft has done recently really the, you know, Satya has done a really amazing job, yeah. you know, turning around the business. You know, I think Amazon continued to impress me what they're do, do, doing, you know, and, and full disclosure, I own personally share of Amazon and Microsoft, so I don't want to feel like uh, 
pitching my books here, but you know, I think there are a lot of great companies that continue to execute and a lot of small companies that continue to execute. All right, we're going to use this for an upcoming edition of Business Week Talks. And so when we have someone like you uh, with us, another question we like to ask is best advice, and this will be our last question, what's the best advice a mentor or a boss or someone has ever given you to sort of give the people something to think about when they go out to lunch? Be patient. You know, uh, I, and as you can see, I, I like to speak fast, talk fast, do everything fast. And um, when I was 24 years old, uh, my boss gave me advice that, hey, be patient. And as I look at a lot of the millennial audience, you know, uh, and actually I was in a conference and I was listening to BlackRock president. He was talking that how millennials come, they want promotion in six months and five, five years, two years later, they want his job. And, and I think, you know, in life sometimes you've got to be patient right. and, uh, and work really hard and everything works out. That's a great final note. Imran, thank you so much. Thank you. Imran Thanks Khan, for having everybody. Me. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Bloomberg Business Week. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Bloomberg.com. You can also listen to our radio show every weekday at 2 p.m. Eastern only on Bloomberg Radio.